Our firing squad is here to help keep you up to date with what's going on in Canada and around the world. And I got to tell you, friends, with every passing week, Canada looks more and more like a tragic comedy fairy tale than reality. An Oakville manufacturing technology instructor, read shop teacher, has gone viral for wearing obscenely large prosthetic breasts and for transitioning. There is no way this man suffering with a mental illness has any business operating circular saws. An Ottawa police officer, clearly a part of a fringe minority with unacceptable views, is being charged with misconduct for allegedly donating money to the Freedom Convoy. Maybe the officer should have given it to the BLM Marxists instead who want to destroy the country. Let me offer this as a theme for today's show. Boobs. Whether it's an unwell man with plastic ones, our prime minister and his totalitarian mandates, or our lawless courts prosecuting pastors for keeping their churches open, we can certainly say that Canada is full of boobs. It's September the 20th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And joining us for the firing squad are Mike Elabola de Fuego Thiessen and Tim T-Bone Tyso. This is the Liberty Dispatch. Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Thank you so much for joining us again on the Dispatch, whether you're checking us out on our Rumble channel channel at Liberty Coalition Canada, or you are listening to us on your favorite podcast, be sure to rate, subscribe, like, review, comment, whatever you can to get our content out to more people. It all helps. Also, we are a part of the FLF Network, the Fight, Laugh, Peace Network at flfnetwork.com. You can also check out our content on demand on the Fight, Laugh, Peace Network app, which you can get on your Google Play in your Apple App Store. Be sure also to check out everything Liberty Coalition on our website at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Dot com. When you're over there, be sure to sign up for our emailing list. And also, if you would, please, we, we would really appreciate it. Go to the top of the page, hit the donate tab, or you can, like always, scan the QR code at the bottom of the screen and leave us a donation. It helps us get our content out to more people to continue to build this institution and continue to advocate for your civic and God-given rights. So that's what we're all about here at the Liberty Coalition Canada. And finally, if you would, reach out to us at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Our firing squad is brought to you by our friends at Rockland Investment Partners. With inflation at 40-year highs and economic stagflation on the horizon, growing and preserving your hard-earned capital is of utmost importance. Rocklink Investment Partners understand the investment challenges of today. Rocklink is an independent investment management firm focused solely on creating portfolios of high-quality businesses anchored to the time-tested principles of value investing and do not shy away from essential businesses that do not meet the World Economic Forum definition of ESG. Email our friends at Rocklink today at info at rocklink.com or visit them at rocklink.com. That's link with a C. So as you can see, we have two handsome devils with us, and that can only mean one thing. It's time to fire up the firing squad. 
Mike loves it. Andrew, I well love done. It. You've, <laughs> you've absolutely outdone yourself on the cold open. You just like the best cold open in the history of the show. So you just like because we said boobs more than once. (laughs) I feel like the way you tied together the themes. I think it's a drinking game. Now that's the only thing Andrew's trying to desire to do is that everybody has to drink when he says the word boobs. I've got coffee. Yeah, it it was well done, Andrew. I don't think we should segue into Pastor Tim Stevens after that, but I guess uh, I'm up first. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. Bring us your story, Michael. Okay. So it is my privilege to share with you a story of one of the most soft-spoken, gracious, and I think godly men in our country. Um, Pastor Tim Stevens went to court last week where he told the court that it wasn't his duty to police his congregation and enforce the COVID rules. We have this story coming from two places. First of all, the Calgary Herald. Uh, story on September 15th by Kevin Martin. And then we're going to go right to uh, Pastor Tim's web, uh, website at the church where uh, he describes the situation uh, with his own words. Just really quickly, um, the Calgary Herald article describes uh, the pastor from the Southeast Calgary Church. And the majority of the article is stating that Tim just, um, it, it repeats a number of times that Tim said it wasn't his responsibility to enforce uh, COVID-19 measures. Um, He's had a number of charges dropped and currently only faces now two tickets for failing to follow social distancing measures uh, during services in February and in March on 2021. Again, the article really emphasizes how much uh, Tim was talking about just, you know, we. We notified people of the situation, but I didn't feel like it was my responsibility to uh, enforce it. And the article ends off with this really important sentence. Despite his lack of policing his congregants, provincial court judge Alan Fradsham must only decide whether Stevens breached the distancing rules in place at the time. So even though much of his uh, questioning was about his policing his congregants, the actual charges seems right here are whether or not he himself broke them um, at that time. Now, in Tim's words, he he writes a really important uh, paragraph. He says this, Yesterday marked the first time that I had the chance to testify before a judge on matters related to the enforcement of COVID-19 restrictions. Up to this point, two charges, one for contempt of court and one criminal charge for breaching the court order that sent me to jail twice for a combined stay of 21 days were withdrawn. So that's him talking about which ones were withdrawn. He goes on to say that two bylaw officers testified first. It was notable about their testimony, uh, how our congregation was portrayed and interactions were portrayed as welcoming, respectful, friendly, and professional. The prosecution pressed them a number of occasions to describe our church interactions and our tone. Man alive, the, the word tone has never had so much use in our, in our Canadian culture. He goes on to say, I was thanking God that it was made known that our church family acted with charity and grace towards these offer, officers in, vile, uh, in volatile circumstances. Um, just so you guys know, 
Uh, Tim ends off his uh, summary of the report with this very insightful little description. He says this, when the prosecution began to ask me my convictions regarding same-sex marriage, it became clear that we had drift far from the matter at hand. And isn't that the case? This case, we, we've just drifted so far from the matter at hand as to, you know, basic human rights, basic uh, rights in our, in our criminal code. And what you have is you have a, a kangaroo court trying to catch this pastor in every little matter of tone. And uh, you know, can you imagine, like, we're in a country where the prosecution's trying to nail a pastor <laughs> on his tone? Like, I can only imagine... I can only imagine the lawyer in defense saying relevance. What is what is it relevant? Uh, are there writers? Are there gospel coalition writers in the court? Like, is that is okay? That what's get off like, of it. They, get off is of that it. is Leave that where we alone. get the tone thing? Move on. Stay focused. I'm just. I'm just. Well, I mean, the, the insistence on tone sounds familiar We're drifting to me. Far from I've the heard that hand. somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Well, my my thoughts on joke. the story are uh, are quick. That I, I appreciate the fact that Tim insisted that he's not policing his congregation and that his job is not to be the health bureaucracy. Because what Tim is expressing is something that we've talked about on this show: is that the different spheres, the different elements of our society, have their own roles and their own authority, and you're not supposed to have one absorbing the other and practicing an authority or exercising authority that doesn't belong to it right okay, the state is not or not the health bureaucracies and the, the the church likewise their job is not to be the state their their job is not to be health bureaucrats and so tim's being consistent saying that there are roles and responsibilities and the church has a role and responsibility and our role is not to ticket people our role is not to enforce health mandates so i'm thankful that He's being consistent and he's highlighting something that we've been laboring when we when we look at the civil government saying you're stepping outside of your lane, you're doing something that isn't your job. And so I'm thankful that he he labors that point in his in, in the case and in his article. That was that's what I was gonna say, Andrew. You took the words out of my mouth, but I really appreciate it. What should have shocked Canadians was when the government assumed that they could commandeer and deputize every facet and every authority like teachers and pastors and and everybody under the sun what should have shocked canadians was that not when a pastor stood up and said actually i'm not going to be used as a tool to enforce your health policy but it just reminded me all of this being exposed in court this proverb uh, 418 which says the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter in, uh, until full day. And Tim is getting his chance to say his piece. And I'm just going to plug Antichrist in his ruin, which is coming out in November, where these pastors are, are going to put together this whole response to the COVID era and what's going on in our country and, and be able to explain all these things in great detail. And I think that's something that our listeners should look for and check out Antichrist in his ruin. But we're glad Tim is getting a chance to say his piece. Um, and we're praying for him quite a bit. And we'll Absolutely. plug really quickly that last week on Thursday, we interviewed Jacob Rayome. We showed the new trailer and we gave the details. So make sure you check out our episode of The Dispatch from Thursday last week. We had a whole show and a lot of it was about the documentary, the idea of it, and, and it going on. So we'll, we'll make sure to throw those in the, in the description as well. Indeed. And Andrew, you have another story for us, a viral story that came out this weekend. Right. So there are some viruses that actually have an effect and that uh, that are dangerous. 
uh, and then there are viruses that don't. And this happens to be one of those things that's viral in the way that it is spreading and it is actually having a real effect, unlike some of the viruses that will remain nameless on our show. And that is this, the hashtag Trudeau must go has been shared now over 500,000 times and it's been shared by some high profile people and just the average everyday Canadian who's basically saying, according to our prime minister, I am an extremist or I'm a part of the fringe minority or I have unacceptable views. This could be people who, for whatever reason, have decided not to receive an experimental gene therapy injection or have decided that they want to support the Freedom Convoy or other such initiatives. And so these people have been called extremists. And so uh, we're ha we have an article we're going to share from the post-millennial, but it has people, it has registered nurses, you see single moms, you see our friend Aaron Rock also posted on social media that based on his views and his lifestyle, our prime minister would say that he's an extremist and he needs to go. You have this one article here, the one thing shared by a Jamaican-born Canadian engineer and project manager, a 48-year-old human rights advocate and defense lawyer. And you'll notice when you go to this page that these are a diverse people. You have men and women. You have people of all different melanin counts in their skin across different industries and different disciplines, different ages, married, single, to highlight the fact that our prime minister's insistence that this is a small fringe minority made up of white supremacists and misogynists is nonsense. And so Canadians are saying, no, he's the one with the extreme views. He's the one that represents a small fringe minority, not us. And so that's continuing to gain steam over social media. Yeah, apparently I wore the right shirt today. <laughs> you probably can't see it, but it's the Carp Feed A one where I'm a proud member of the small fringe minority. But Andrew, you make a really great point in the in the fact that the diversity and unity amongst diversity that Trudeau so often talks about and, you know, he's a demagogue about it, is actually ironically found in this movement that is calling for him to leave and go. And even the hashtag, according to Trudeau, was trending alongside Trudeau must go. And it just highlights the fact that the rhetoric, the rhetoric that has been used by our prime minister, who is uniquely unpopular, he is absolutely the most unpopular prime minister in Canadian history with the two smallest minority governments in <clears throat> Canadian history. Um, what people seem to be unified in our country is that um, Trudeau is a terrible leader and he doesn't represent Canadian values. And the rhetoric that he's using, despite his historic unpopularity, is the very thing that's dividing our nation. And that's something that we've highlighted many a time on our program. And I think this movement, which is organically springing up in um, in the Twitter sphere online, is, is important to show the various faces, names, and lives of those who are considered by Justin Trudeau and the elites in our nation as deplorables. The uh, Canada under Justin Trudeau, under Sunny Ways, uh, Justin Trudeau, is, is the least tolerant we've ever been. <clears throat> we have been uh, the, the most hostile to true thought diversity, which is the only type of real diversity that matters, is what people believe and what drives them. And again, Trudeau's vision of diversity is is melanin count. 
which is among the, the shallowest metric for diversity. He doesn't tolerate true ideological diversity. We know he's thrown people out of his cabinet for having different views on uh, on the law or on on abortion, things like that. So it is it's a it's fake. We live in the fakest culture in Western history, um, and and it's led and trumpeted. And I think he's in Britain right now, paying his respects to the Queen, Her Majesty. And it just it's an embarrassment. Um, that this shallow sort of ideological tyrant is out there speaking for Canadians. Meanwhile, the the masses down here who truly experience individuality and and personal responsibility are called uh, the the extreme. We can see the weaponization of terms like misinformation or extremism or things like that. And uh, it, it, it is great to see people using their social media to get their voice out and say, hey, I'm not part of the uh, zeitgeist. I'm not part of the the mainstream narrative. And it, it is very encouraging to see. You guys have used the phrase, you know, fake world. And I think I just want to frame this discussion as to like, we're, we're seeing a, a group of individuals say, we don't want this bizarro Sodom and Gomorrah world where up is down and down is up. And I, I agree. I've been watching Twitter, you know, just light up with, with these little bios and and it, it helps it helps give people a great perspective right like when you look through these bios and you're going every every type of individual professional is commenting mm-hmm. i find it i find it gives great perspective and i'm glad I, for it i think it has the same sort of effect that the trucker convoy did the, the freedom convoy did it was showing people that they're not alone that they're actually is a far more people across our nation that agree that um, you know the language used by our prime minister, the 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 taking away of um, fundamental rights and freedoms over the last two and a half years is totally inappropriate. And I think that's that's something that I like to see. I like average Canadians speaking out, even if our uh, leaders are going to call them names. And I think people are just sick of living in a country where their leaders hate them and despise them. And and I know from talking to a lot of people about what we're doing here is we long for a day as Canadian citizens when our leaders would actually serve us, where they would shepherd and serve and lead us as people who uh, love us, not as those who despise us. Anyways, Tim, you have the next story for us, and it's about the Arrive Can app. Lead us into it. So uh, this is from uh, BC Rise, and they're they're, they're leading off from a uh, piggybacking off a Toronto Star article, which uh, is claiming that the Trudeau government might finally put an end to the divisive policies, as pressure within the Liberals' own caucus and bureaucracy mount up to scrap rules that are outdated and unnecessary. And of course, this would be uh, involving random testing at the border, and as well as the Arrive Can app writ large, the the entire program. Currently, Canadians re-entering Canada that don't use the ArriveCan app could face punishments. Canadian citizens and permanent residents could run the risk of not being eligible for the, full, um, for the fully vaccinated traveler exemption, would require to quarantine, and would be subject to fines of up to $5,000 or enforcement action. This was extended in July, um, but it's been well known now for a number of months that liberals within the caucus, as well as conservative and NDP uh, politicians of every political stripe, have been um, incinerating this program. In July, NDP uh, MP Brian Mass called Trudeau's Arrive Can app worthless and echoed the concerns of Canadians, saying it is being used as a backdoor to permanently track all border crossings. Uh, that's nice coming from an... Um, 
an NDP MP. And of course, we had uh, we reported earlier this year in February a uh, another um, uh, Liberal MP uh, coming out against his caucus, saying it was a, a violation of human rights and so forth. And so. Uh, what we're seeing here is the potential. These are sources confirming that the Liberal government may be um, considering lifting this, um, as uh, that MDP, uh, MP said, this worthless program to track Canadians coming to and from the country. And it's hard for me to report on stories that are potentially good news because all I keep seeing is, well, what are they going to replace it with? It, you know, is it going to be just replaced with something worse and more long-term and more tyrannical? Uh, but it is nice to see it potentially coming down. And as we've said on this show many times, um, at, with as a passport-holding Canadian, that is your only required documentation for re-entering the country. Um, and there should be no other requirements attached because that's what Western freedom and the uh, liberty of movement and mobility, that's what that entails. And so, of course, we... Um, vehemently oppose these kind of things. And it is nice to see that the, the pressure may be mounting for this to be scrapped by the Liberals. Can I also ask a question? I just, uh, some of the, these thoughts have been flooding into my mind over, over the weekend here. Now that the Conservative Party has an outspoken leader, whether we like him or not in Pierre Polyev. I don't. How... <laughs> just so we're clear, I don't. <laughs> continue you said whether we do or don't yeah okay. i don't let's continue okay. okay okay um whether whether we like him or not andrew doesn't um how much do you think that actually having an active and lively opposition something that we basically not had throughout the last two and a half years with milk toast uh, liberal o'toole and then having that void after the 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 freedom convoy how much of that do you think is going to play into these decisions too that he not only does he have pressure within his caucus within the ndp ranks but he also knows that there's somebody on the other side of the aisle who's articulate who can hold him to account for these useless programs i wonder how much that plays into it just throwing that out there maybe you guys have thoughts on that well i think number one Opposition's always good. Like that, that mm -hmm. we need yeah. we need opposition. So the reality of it is, is this what we've been facing for the last two years has been a lack of opposition of anybody standing. One party up. state, basically. That's right. Like one party state. You have you have you have Maxime Bernier and the PPC, and you have other political leaders who were outed from the inside of conservatism. <laughs> You have them standing up. So opposition's always good. I would probably suggest, we've reported on the Arrive Can situation a few times. I would suggest that most, uh, a change in policy right now would be coming from the cities, the border towns, uh, the, 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 um, the local uh, business bureaus, uh, the statistics that are really saying this is slowing down uh, travel. We, you know, people are not crossing the U.S. Canadian border to the same level. They're not spending the same amount of money. I'd likely say most of that pressure is what's doing this. But opposition's always good, and uh, that's my two cents worth on that. So, what if it's what if it's uh, what if it's controlled opposition merely meant to uh, extend the theater? So that that, okay. that would be that would be my take. That that I think that yes, there's opposition. Um, at least there's the appearance of opposition. But based, just touching quickly on what Matt said, I think given uh, the relative silence 
for the first year, for the first year and a half with a number of bills that were passed through and 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 really what was going on in Canada and then really an opportunistic hand up to be the savior of Canada once there was blood in the water and O'Toole was on the way out. That's why I'm not particularly excited. Um, mm-hmm. So as far as the Arrive Can goes, Tim, I would agree with you, even though it might make you a little sad. I think that Arrive Can was basically just the beta test for a federal digital ID. We know yeah, this is course. the case, that this is the plan. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad to see it go because even if it's replaced with something worse, the reality is getting rid of as many bad things as possible is always good. I want to go to Knoxville and come back hassle-free in October. Um, so th- yes, I'm glad to see it go, but it, in many ways this is, and we've talked about this on the show before, that this is just the, th- this is the beta, this is the test, this is the trial run. Okay, we've, we've had success, let's pull it back now, let's release the real product. And the real product is going to be a federal digital ID that will include mm-hmm. with it your banking, your healthcare, your travel stuff. But at least in the short term, it's good that it's gone because it is a useless, it's a useless mandate. Yeah, and I think just as Canadian citizens, we have to make sure that if it goes, something like that federal ID um, program isn't actually put in its place. And that's something that we're going to have to stay vigilant about and hold our MPs to account for. Guys, finally, just to wrap up the firing squad, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, the Queen and and her her funeral. it it, 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 it's it's an event that as of time of recording it happened this morning um and i was just struck by the the nature of the event because it was a christian service it was um a christian funeral and it was even um people said that she had an intimate connection to picking what was actually said and read at her funeral. So I just want to kind of explore some of the things that people would have seen in the funeral if they watch it. Okay. So first of all, the sentences. So these are read as, as the coffins coming into uh, the Westminster Abbey there. Um, John 11, 25, 26, where Christ talks about him being the resurrection and the life. We have Job 19, 25, 27, where uh, Job says, I know that my redeemer lives. We have first Timothy six, seven. We brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out of this world. And over and over again, what we see when you look through this order of service is you see that she did a wonderful job at pointing to the fact that though she it was the ruler of one of the greatest empires in human history, there was a higher ruler above her, that there was a king above her, and it was the king of kings, the ruler of the kings of the earth in King Jesus Christ. And I just want to say, while we're thinking about her death, while we're thinking about death at all, um, we we have to just turn to this this really encouraging um, text that she she had as her first lesson for her funeral, and that's from First Corinthians fifteen twenty through twenty six. Now in Christ risen, uh, now is Christ risen from the dead and become 
the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign till he hath put all the enemies of God under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for th this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the wonderful testimony of all that fall asleep in the Lord. And I know from the uh, account of many that indeed Queen Elizabeth II did have a quiet faith that she um, held strongly to. So we pray that that was indeed the case and that she is at home with the Lord. Um, but I just thought... It, it, with all the talk of um, Christian nationalism, what what a fitting <laughs> ceremony to to express the 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 fact that Christianity is baked into um, the the British Empire and its various Commonwealth countries. What was really touching about this whole uh, season, this last week since uh, Her Majesty passed away, is the way that it has touched people um, deeply and in places that they thought they had forgotten past there's a connection to hierarchy there's a connection to order and authority and rule of law and tradition that the west has been trying to absolutely incinerate and obliterate these last few years um, and then when this institution passes from crown to crown you see the way people respond and I think it is calling out something that is deeply ingrained in us in our creational order um, that is important. And that is this idea of continuity and history and tradition, um, not to throw those things away, um, not to destroy them. And so uh, the longest reigning British monarch is indeed gone. God rest Her Majesty the Queen and God save the King. I really appreciate you bringing that out, Matt. Mm -hmm. This also, we talked about this on the show last week. I think this represents a transition now in our culture where you clearly have the queen lives, speaks, carries herself a certain way, and now the transition to her son, who clearly has very shady ties to the WEF and in many ways appears to be one of their henchmen, and both his sons are woke. And so the transition now, as we're moving from Queen Elizabeth II to the next two monarchs who are going to be reigning, I think that represents a broader cultural shift away from something kind of the the putting off of the christian foundations the, the the nature of our country being founded on biblical principles and and toward an, an outright embracing of paganism and worldliness and that that's something we've been seeing in our culture for generations a removal of the christian moorings that hold our culture together and an embracing of a materialism and a cultural marxism and a wokeism, and I think that is represented now even in the transition we see with the monarchs from one 
to the next, and then one of his two sons who will just be more of the same. Uh, which, again, I think it's interesting that the Lord and his providence has done this, that what we see in culture, we now also see represented in the transition of the crown itself. I want to talk a little bit about just uh, things done in the name of Christianity. Uh, this is a good moment in time to look in. And Matthew, I, I would agree with your initial analysis, your initial insights there where, and Tim too, um, where it seems like we're dealing with someone who had a sincere faith and it's, it's wonderful to uphold tradition. And we as outsiders living across an ocean ought to just, you know, be thankful that we've got a traditional proclamation of the gospel throughout the ceremony and uh, an attempt to to uphold history. The one thing I want to caution us about, and it goes towards what, what Andrew was talking about, is this, um, it, and it's an error that we can make at any funeral, really. It's an error that any pastor can make, any Christian can make, and that is where we preach forgiveness or grace without a call to repentance. And what we see in, in this ceremony is we may see a monarch's sincere faith coming out, but most certainly what we're seeing is traditional things being done in the name of tradition, being done in the name of a Christian veneer, or being done with a Christian veneer. And we have to be really careful that that, that isn't proclaimed upon the nation and upon individuals without a clear call to Christ and repentance. And so in this moment in time when people go, oh, look, here's Britain, the Christian nation, we need to remember, well, this funeral might represent the Christian beliefs of a certain individual who led that nation, but our job now is to take these scriptures, to take this opportunity and proclaim, you must believe these things. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, respond, and you must turn from the evil sin. Because that goes into exactly what Andrew's talking about. You, in this transition, you have a wokeism and a Marxism that just promotes all types of human depravity as long as control is centralized. So let's take this opportunity, just like any other funeral, to call people to actually believe in these scriptures that were read mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to repent of sin uh, and, and, and turn to the Lord. Yeah, good point, Meg. Valuable point. Unless you, too, have the same sincere faith that it appears that Queen Elizabeth II had, you will perish in your sin. And that is definitely um, a call that we want to make clear on on our show. Um, and, Mike, thank you for joining us. Sadly, it appears like our brother Tim got uh, raptured away as you were talking there. Um, his phone probably died. But we are thankful that you and Tim were able to join us for this week's Firing Squad, and we hope to see you uh, in the coming weeks as well. You guys are great, doing a great job. I love you both. You're doing fantastic. Thanks for having us on. Looking forward to talking to you next week. Ciao, ciao. All right. Our two main stories today are brought to you by our friends over at Red Balloon. You might think that woke politics and medical tyranny have destroyed the Canadian workplace, but did you know that some companies are standing up and saying, no, enough is enough. Over 2,000 companies have pledged to honor free speech and medical privacy at redballoon.work, and Red Balloon is coming to Canada. Business owners, 
find top-tier, values-aligned talent, and get help building an uncancelable and pro-freedom workplace. Job seekers, find a courageous company that shares and protects your values. Or go sign up today at redballoon.work slash LCC. Again, that's redballoon.work slash LCC. You're going to want to post your jobs there, and that's where you want to find work where they don't care about whether or not you're woke or they won't force you to put anything in your bloodstream that you don't want. Redballoon.work slash LCC. And Andrew, especially nowadays, you're going to want to get into businesses and institutions that share your same values because of the story we're about to tell people. I'm sure a lot of our listeners might have heard it, might have seen some images. But before we get in the story, we should tell people that there's some sensitive content ahead just based on the sheer sheer nature of of this uh this story andrew yeah if you if you are easily upset by what would have been a hilarious snl skit 15 years ago or if you have a strong allergy to plastic or latex exercise caution while watching these (laughs) clips yes absolutely it is a crazy story and that is the story that is coming out of oakville ontario and the astonishing images that are coming from a school teacher who is a part of the trafalgar high school in oakville ontario which is a part of the halton district of uh school board and these are images and videos that we're about to show you of a man wearing massive prosthetic breasts in a tight shirt to teach kids in a school. So just as a way of warning, if you have kids or little ones that are watching, you might want to pause, (laughs) usher them out of the room and then continue watching or just skip over. But let's show you these images because you really do have to see them to believe them. Andrew, how utterly absurd. How are we supposed to comment on news like this? this well, my first thought insane. was it's actually, it's probably not a very tight shirt. It's probably a normal to large size shirt. But when you put two gigantic beach balls in there, then it makes it look like it's a tight shirt. But it's probably like an XL or a double XL. It's not a very tight shirt. I'm, I mean, it's when I saw this, the, the, really, the first thoughts that flashed across my mind were, these are like sitcoms. It can't be real. <laughs> it's like This is like watching an episode of Saved by the Bell, when no. Zach and Screech dress up like girls to try to infiltrate the girls' change room, and everyone who's watching the episode thinks the same thing. Obviously, no one's going to fall for it. Yeah. Of course, those are guys. How can the girls not see it? And in our real-world sitcom, mm-hmm. 
right? This fairy tale of a, of a, of a dreamland in which we live, this fictional world in which we live, the administrators at the school are like the girls in Saved by the Bell, that they would say, oh yeah, totally it's a girl. And then we and everyone who's reasonable is like the audience with a laugh track. There's a laugh track behind it saying, this is utterly absurd. No it, one would actually believe this, right? The, the images are something straight out of South Park. Yeah. You know, in my youth, it, it, in, in a bygone in age. In less sanctified days. <laughs> um, I watched some South Park, and there is actually a teacher where this is the central theme of that teacher. I won't say the name because it's inappropriate. Um, you can find out the images if you want to. I'm sure they're going across the internet attached to this um, this story. But uh, essentially, Andrew, what happened is uh, these images started uh, getting out, and the massive Twitter account um, and many of them, such as Libs of TikTok, really help expose this story for the world to see, which is no kind pun of the, intended. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, my word. Which is kind it of writes the, itself. The comedy it does, writes itself. It really. does. We don't have to try, you know, um, which is kind of uh, what the Libs of TikTok Twitter account exists for to kind of expose leftists and their radicalness and often the crazy part is it's primarily teachers who are pushing this crazy, insane leftist woke agenda in these neo-Marxist indoctrination uh, factories. But yeah, as you have seen, as we have seen, the reason that these viral videos went swept the internet uh, uh, swept across the internet is because of their absurdity. You're you're looking at what is a man who is clearly a man wearing short black tight shorts and a, sh a shirt that is filled with massive anatomically incorrect breasts that are that you can see the outline of the nipples and everything and wearing a wig and pretending to be a woman and apparently we have school administrations and school boards who are so delusional that they think the right response is going along in the delusion with this man who they say is transitioning and the teacher in question um goes by the name of kayla lemieux and as the news started sweeping across the internet, the Halton District School Board decided that it would send out a notice to parents concerning the story. And their notice reads as follows. Dear Oakville Trafalgar High School families, we are aware of a discussion on social media and in the media regarding Oakville Trafalgar High School. We would like to take this opportunity to reiterate to our community that we are committed to establishing and maintaining a safe, caring, inclusive, equitable, and welcoming learning and working environment for all students and staff. As a school within the Halton District School Board, Oakville Trafalgar High School recognizes the rights of students, staff, and parents and guardians and community members to equitable treatment without discrimination based upon gender identity and gender expression. Gender identity and gender expression are, protect, are protected grounds under the Ontario Human Rights Code. We strive to promote a positive 
learning environment. So, Andrew, what do you make of, of that response by um, the, the school district here in Halton? What's a family? They say, what's a, what is a family? Is a family people? What are people? Does it have to be people? Can a family be a man married to a lizard? Like they're using terms. They're trying to communicate a reality when they have abandoned reality. They mm -hmm. have stepped into fantasy land and they have, they're trying to borrow categories based in reality and make sense of things, but it makes no sense. It's, 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 it's a dreamland. And so they're going to say, dear families, and I'm going to say, but what is a family? What constitutes a family? And they're going to use words like gender expression. How many genders? What are the genders? Like, are you okay with, it's, it's, it's just nonsense. It's utter nonsense that this is what we've accepted. And this is what happens when you abandon mm -hmm. reality and not just reality, but when you abandon creational norms, when you abandon the truth of a world that God has made to function a certain way. All you're left with are total absurdities. And this mm -hmm. is why we say, I mean, this, this, this video here is, is another reason why we would say you cannot have a functioning free nation that's going to pride itself on liberty and justice or equality or all the sorts of things that this press releaser was, was put out by the Oakville High School. You can't actually have a nation that's grounded upon these principles if you disassociate it and detach it from biblical mm -hmm. moorings. All you're left with is cuckoo land, mm -hmm. and that's what that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the saying? Uh, the cover-ups often worse than the crime, and and this kind of cover-up, this this waving the hands over what is clearly an insane, absurd reality, is just promoting that absurdity. So. That's a brilliant point, Andrew. Like the Oakville and Holton District School Board is totally unmoored from reality, and their response is totally, absolutely insane. But that's what happens when you have a neo Marxist identity politics infused into our schools. And that is why you have to get af active in as as Christians, as, as Canadian citizens who are concerned about this sort of thing, we must get active in pushing back against what is going on in these students because they're changing and shaping institutions and law codes to fit their insane clown world. And that's the reality of the situation. Is Oakville, Trafalgar... Um, high school, as well as the Halton District School Board, they feel emboldened by the fact that the Ontario Human Rights Code now has in it insane Marxist um, theories of gender and identity. They feel backed up by that, so then they can foist this insanity on their students. And I, I just... I, I want to point out what, what exactly you're saying, just the schizophrenic, nonsensical nature of what these school boards are doing. And the, the reality is, without Christ, you're left with chaos. There's two choices. You have Christ or chaos. And what we're seeing here is chaos. It's absolute absurdity and chaos. And I want to read the Oakville Trafalgar High School's um, own dress code for you, and you'll see how... It's a total 
disaster. And I want to point that out for you. So it starts off. Individuals are responsible for managing their own personal biases, behaviors, and or perspectives slash opinions, distractions, in quotation, uh, related to others' choices of clothing. All students are treated equitably regardless of their race, age, ability, sex, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, ethnicity, religion, cultural observance, socioeconomic circumstances, or body type and size. So what is happening here? They're rooting their dress code in the subjective, right? It's, it's the person gets to determine how they uh, identify and how they present themselves to the outside watching world. But you see how then absurd this other point, and we'll, I'll put the whole list so people can see in it, but I just want to highlight the end of this. So the dress code says, dress codes must prevent students from wearing clothing that exposes or makes visible genitals or nipples. And my my rebuttal to that is, well, thank, thankfully, they at least have that much sense. But why? By what standard is showing your genitals and nipples a bad thing? It, it, because if you're going to root and ground your dress code in the subjective expression of individuals, how can you possibly come around and then provide an objective standard that they have to meet without infringing on their subjective identification? You can't. It's utter chaos. It's total insanity. And these are the idiots who are writing the codes and the laws of school districts across this nation. And as our friend uh, Samuel Say says, this story is maybe the greatest ad for homeschooling. If you haven't got your kids out based on the last two and a half years, you better get them out based off of a shops teacher not wearing protective clothing, but instead wearing massive prosthetic breasts to, to teach your kids shop. It's absolutely absolutely unbelievably absurd the story seems fake and made up it we are definitely living in a clown world and the reason i'm so exercised about this is because it's people are trying to go about their lives as if this is normal it is not normal and the fact of the matter is the school never mentions and the district never mentions that the the, the teacher in this case, uh, supposedly Miss Lemieux, was violating their dress code, right? Because the images that we showed you clearly show that his prosthetic nipples are showing. So there's no way to get around it. He violated the dress code, but they're still wiping their hand over it like there's no big deal why because he's a part of a protected identity group and that's the reason that people aren't speaking out against this and so many kids don't feel safe don't feel like this is normal but they don't feel like they have the ability to speak up because we're living in a clown world and that's marcuse's world andrew give some comments well they might say part of their defense might be no 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 what we mean are, are real nipples like oh, real yeah. organic ones that are actually attached to your bodies, yeah. not not fake ones. And so all they're doing, so if that's their position, then all they're saying is, right, It's the, we agree, it's all fake. 
it's all a show. It's all it's it's theater. So you're, all they're doing is tipping their hand. I'll also say, and I mean, we labor this point here at the Liberty Coalition Canada, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it down again. This is what you get with a Christless, unbiblical conservatism, right? This is not just a oh, this is a liberal, this is a lefty thing. This is inevitable. Toby Sumter from Christchurch from the Cross Politic Guys wrote an article a number of months ago saying that the Daily Wire is going proto-woke. And it was after a commercial for Jeremy's Razors. There was a razor company that dropped them because they weren't woke enough. So the Daily Wire said, we're going to do our own razors. And in the commercial, there were women in super tight, super revealing dresses that were basically treated like objects. And Toby remarked that you can have Matt Walsh putting out a documentary saying, what is a woman? But apparently the Daily Wire also doesn't know what a woman is. Because in their mind, if they think that, that women are trophies to be displayed in shaving commercials, that they don't know what a woman is. Fast forward a couple months later, and then you'll have Dave Rubin and Jordan Peterson talking about how they gladly practiced eugenics and the renting out of women's wombs almost as if they were slaves. They bought them, they rented them, and this is being celebrated by the Daily Wire saying that Dave Rubin and his partner, who's also named Dave, are going to be tremendous fathers. This is what happens when you strip Christ and a biblical foundation from conservatism. You're left with this. This is also part of the reason why we had a very intentional discussion with Maxime Bernier on the topic of abortion. Because to simply say we're about freedom and we're about liberty, and you're not going to ground it on biblical truths, this is where it goes. And so to our detractors, to those people who are a part of the freedom movement, who say, I can be about the freedom movement, but I don't need to be a Christian. I don't need Christian principles. People can marry whoever they want. How dare you say that marriage is just for one man and one woman? You're just as much of a tyrant and a fascist as our prime minister. I would respond, if you're going to pursue a liberty that is separate from biblical principles, then you're going to have this shop teacher. Or you're going to have people making the case that this shop teacher can pursue a relationship with a 13-year-old boy from his class. And they might recoil and say, how dare you say that? How dare you make the slippery slope argument? And the reality Look is, like you, said, like you said, Matt, by what standard? Yeah. So if you will have a Christless, unbiblical conservatism, for now the line is here. But it's mm -hmm. not going to be long before the line is just as far. And so mm -hmm. we can't just say freedom for the sake of freedom. We have to say freedom and liberty and conservatism grounded upon Christ. And if you abandon that, you're going to have this. It's not going to be that long. It's not going to be that much longer before some dude like this will be running as an MP for the conservative party. And if you think I'm crazy, just look at the people Polly Ever has surrounded himself with now. They've already abandoned marriage and creational norms and what it means to be a man and a woman. And so you will see someone like this running as an MP or an MPP for the conservative party within five to 10 years.
Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. How can you be conservative if you're not conserving the basic creational norms and realities of the world that we live in? And that has been abandoned by so many people who do take upon themselves that conservative title. And we're going to hope to do some even more in-depth analysis of that Christless conservatism and why it's so dangerous, because essentially it boils down to with friends like these, who needs enemies? <laughs> if we're right. not going to put up opposition to this absurdity and call it for what it is and stop using the preferred language of, of the left, you know, where they get to determine how we talk about these issues. If we're not, not going to do that, we're going to continue to lose these cultural battles. So anyways, it's an insane story. I never thought I would bring to the table, Andrew. It's um, something that when I first saw it, I said, this can't be real. Obviously, this is insane. It's some sort of gag that a team, a hockey team, was pulling on one of their rookies or something. No. It was an this episode of Just for Laugh Gags. That's what it feels like. Exactly. Yeah. But this is the depths of the depravity that we find ourselves in in a nation. And we need to get active in the political sphere because these people feel emboldened by the fact that they've shaped the institutions, that they've put their activists in places of power where they can not worry about the safety and education of the children, but promote these crazy ideologies that make people feel unsafe and that create an environment where people don't think they can call out the emperor has no clothes. And that is not a healthy environment to educate children in. Yet that is the serious nature of where we find ourselves. So if you want to get involved in municipal elections in Ontario, so you can go for the school boards and the school districts, get involved in Christians That Care. That's christiansthatcare.net. Please uh, go over there, check out what's going on, fill out an application, get part of our community that's growing and growing and training Christians to get active in the political sphere. And we would highly encourage you to do that, christiansthatcare.net. Well, Matt, this brings us to our second story. And before we get into the story, we need a little bit of history. So I need to take us back to March 2022, which is not that long ago. And this is from CPC News, the Canadian Pravda Corporation. Our, our audience will remember that the <laughs> organization formerly known as CBC has now been rebranded the CPC because they push propaganda. So this is what they report back in March of 2022. CBC News, see, they're dead naming. They're not CBC News, they're CPC News. CPC News has matched at least two dozen current and former members of the Ottawa Police Service and the Ontario Provincial Police with a publicly leaked list of names identified as apparent donors to Give, Send, Go, a crowdfunding site used to support the weeks-long occupation at Ottawa. Right, an occupation. Okay, this person wasn't there, obviously. Continues, the OPP said it has launched an investigation into alleged officer donations to the convoy it's unclear what legal or disciplinary consequences if any police officers could face for donating money to the so-called freedom convoy that paralyzed downtown ottawa for much of february do you see why 
They're the CPC. This is propaganda. This is they mm. weren't there. I was there. Let me tell I, you. I the noticed French toast that was being cooked in the middle of the road and the pizza that was being delivered to homeless people was delicious and kind and friendly. So <laughs> they don't know what they're talking I, about. Just on that note. <laughs> Not only the language they use in framing the discussion, but the fact that they just happen to, you know, leave out the fact that uh, this information was illegally obtained right. through hacking by a crazy, insane computer hacker activist. <laughs> Nothing scares me. Nothing. I did it! It was me! I hacked Give, Send, Go, baby! And I do it again! I do it a hundred times! I did it! I did it! Come at me! What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do to me, huh? Um, I noticed they left that part out of the story. So they're really worried about, you know law and order and things functioning the way they are ought but illegally obtained evidence maybe not so much right it continues donations to the protesters were made through the site starting february 2nd the same day prime minister justin trudeau said the protest was becoming illegal okay becoming illegal now that brings us to so that was in march that was the Pravda Corporation saying, oh, police, they're really struggling because many from within their ranks decided to exercise their freedom as Canadians and give money to whichever organization or initiative they desire. And that's a real problem in a totalitarian state. So that's March. Now, here we are in September of 2022, and this also comes from the CPC. Quote, an Ottawa police officer has been charged with misconduct for allegedly donating money to the Freedom Convoy occupation. Last for they just won't let it go. Occupation. Drum up the fear, everyone. Get your four shot, double mask. Anyways, monsters. Continue. Constable Christina Nielsen. That's editorializing, too. I right, just yeah. want to point that out there. Right. That's not news. No. That's, that's editorializing. Right. Right there. Yeah. What I'm, me calling them, me calling them lizards, it's a more accurate. D description of what's happening than what they're saying. So they continue. Constable Christina Nielsen made her first disciplinary appearance on Thursday morning, his last week, to face a single count of discreditable conduct under the Police Services Act. What a joke. By the way, we're just going to tip our hands. We interviewed a former OPP officer, and he's going to outline, hopefully we were releasing this interview in an episode in the next number of weeks, and you're going to see what he was also charged with, the disciplinary action that was brought against him for something as innocuous as giving money to an extended Canada Day celebration with lots of flags and trucks. Anyways, the CPC continues, professional standards investigators, detectives who investigate officer misconduct internally, Alleged Nielsen discredited the service's reputation by, quote, by donating money to the Freedom Convoy Fund on a website called Give, Send, Go. Police further allege that, quote, she knew or reasonably ought to have known that the money was being raised for the illegal occupation known as the Freedom Convoy, which it was not. They continue, according to the notice of hearing, Nielsen allegedly made a donation of $50. Whew. On February 5th, 
which was three days after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said the occupation was becoming illegal, but notice the day before the city declared a state of emergency. So it was not illegal yet. Matt, what are your thoughts on this? I don't have much. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's obviously absurd um, that she would be disqualified from being a part of the police department in Ottawa by doing that which is totally legal under Canadian law. This is really, really shameful in the way that the police have acted, and it's unlawful in the way that they've acted because they've retconned the situation. They've changed the history and they've made it seem like she knew that what she was doing was clearly illegal. Listen, that's absolutely nonsense. She exercised her right as a free Canadian citizen to donate her hard earned money to whatever cause she deemed fit. And all this language that they're using is is absolute nonsense and it would have to be proved in a court of law that it was actually illegal that she had the intention to uh, to give to an illegal occupation all this is just expo ex post facto um deliberations where after this is already done after all this has transpired and took place they're now going backwards to look for um cops that they can hold accountable for giving to something that they don't appreciate but that's not that's not good law that's that's lawless behavior you can't create a law and then after the fact um deem people guilty of breaking that law that didn't actually exist so it's absolute nonsense the lawless ones are the supposed authorities who are in charge and it's a continuing a beclowning of our institutions in Canada. And again, it's death by suicide and not by homicide. It, these institutions are doing all that they can to discredit themselves. And the reason that people in our country don't trust the RCMP, don't trust local police departments, is because they act in this way. They're the lawless ones. They're the lawless ones. And that gets to that prophetic call of us in the church. We need to be calling this type of inappropriate behavior out. And the fact that our government could just unilaterally seize funds from people who donated to a cause that they didn't appreciate, that they didn't support, is absolutely unbelievable. And yet that is what took place. E even in the context, is, as we're learning more and more, Andrew, that provincial and local authorities didn't tell the Trudeau government to declare a state of emergency in the emergency act. And yet they still did it. So it could give them this unilateral emergency tyrannical power to, to prosecute and to go after those who are political dissidents. This is not the behavior of free citizens living in a free country. This is the behavior of tyrants and petty dictators acting punitively against their own people. That's inappropriate and it needs to be prophetically called out every time we see it. Because if, if these officers has donated money to the BLM riots that caused millions and hundreds of millions of dollars of damage and lives actually lost because of it, everything would have been fine. Absolutely. Or if they donated...
did money to some BDS organ. Oh, no, no, we need to dispossess and kill all Jews. That, that would have been fine, right? Now, I'm not making a political statement. I'm not making a pro-Israel statement. I'm saying that's this this is the reality of it. If they yeah. gave money to these organizations, it would have been fine. Or if they spent their money for their Pornhub account, which quite literally enslaves girls and they are drugged up and they are left in abusive conditions in order that their bodies are exploited, that would have been fine. But give $50 to an organized, peaceful group of people that want to meet with elected officials and say, these jab mandates are lawless and detrimental. The officer who donates to that organization is to be punished, discreditable activity, yeah. disciplinary action and it what should be madness. noted it should be noted uh, when it comes to donations blm can no longer take donations in many jurisdictions across the world because they didn't adequately disclose how, where those funds were going and it turns out that they just went to the leaders and founders of blm buying themselves million dollar mansions it didn't go to help people in the inner city it didn't go to help those victims of supposed hate crimes and police brutality. No, it went to enrich the founders of th this grift. And that's the sad part is it again and again and again, it shows that if you're for leftist causes, you have the absolute latitude of every, like to the nth degree. But if you even partake in something that was really cross-political like there was people of different backgrounds and all sorts of political affiliations that were part of the freedom convoy that would disagree on other things that are just it's totally unacceptable and we've talked about it again but this is a result of us living in a new sensibility in marcuse's new world according to repressive tolerance which says any uh, right-wing supposed movement or conservative movement must be dispelled even by violence, even by coercive state violence, but anything as it pertains to leftism and leftist ideology must be allowed to, to have free range to disrupt and dismantle this Christian hegemony that we find ourselves in. It's absolutely absurd. It's high hypocrisy of the highest or order, and it's real, true lawlessness. And when our legal institutions display themselves as the lawless one, that ought to make us stand up speak prophetically against them because that's what we have to do we can't just whine and moan and talk about this stuff over coffee on a sunday afternoon we need to get involved and that's why we as an organization have different initiatives where you can make your voice heard please help donate to us so we can continue to grow we're doing christians that care christians that care.net go over there if you're a christian who wants to get involved in in politics we will help you we'll train you we'll come alongside you there's amazing support groups of christians across this lovely nation that will help you that will train you that will teach you to be a leader in your area this is what we need to do and this is what we're calling you to do Andrew, do you have anything to say by way of exit? That this is the reason why we need to support those 
who are like-minded in terms of values and principles. And so I'm going to do an extra little plug here at the end. This is one of the reasons why when you're thinking about where do I invest your money, you need to pull your money out of the big woke banks. And this is why we talk about our friends at Rocklink Investment Partners, because personally, personally, mm -hmm. I invest with them. My RSP is managed by them. My kid's RESP is managed by them. My tax-free savings account is managed by them. Why? Because they are pro-freedom and they are not about canceling. They're not about a woke ESG kind of culture. And so if you want to invest your money somewhere that's not going to get taken from you or stolen from you because of tyrants, then you go there. Or you might be thinking, well, what about the freezing of bank accounts? Well, it's a really good thing that our friends at Rocklink have the Kokomo Fund where they help invest your money offshore, isn't it? So support those businesses. This is why we also wanted to partner with Red Balloon because they're, they're in the United States primarily and they're promoting businesses that won't cancel you. Businesses that want hardworking people that aren't concerned about being social justice warriors and aren't concerned about having a, a rainbow friendly HR department. But Red Balloon wants to help businesses find good workers who care about integrity and the value of their work. And they want to help people find good places to work. Jobs that will not cancel you. Jobs that won't suspend you or punish you because you gave to the Freedom Convoy. Or because you won't put experimental medicine inside your body. Or because you won't sign off to the latest woke leftist ideology. So partner with and support the companies that not only support us, as the Liberty Coalition Canada, but that want to support you, Canadians that are about freedom, that are about not being cancelled, that are about not having these totalitarian moves come upon you, where if you are a police officer who's pro-freedom, you suffer disciplinary action for it. And so partner with, support the people who support us, who ultimately want to support a Canada that is more free and more grounded in liberty. So do those things, connect with those people. That's, that's really how I want to close off my time for our episode today. Well said, brother. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We really do value that you're giving us your time, your your eyeballs, your ears, uh, because this, these are bigger, broader conversations that we have to continue to have in Canada, uh, lest we be swept up in the crazy leftism of our day. And we want... As Christians, we don't want to bury our head in the sands. We do care about justice. We do care about justice being done in the public sphere. And the fact of the matter is because we believe in an objective right and wrong, an objective standard of truth and goodness and beauty, we, I trust us with other people's freedoms far more than I trust them with our own because we've had people on this program and on Mike's program who do not share the same worldview for as us. But because of our biblical principles, we are going to defend that which is good and right and honorable and just, regardless of if they necessarily subscribe to, to all the jot and tittles of our worldview. And that's why we exist as a program. 
we are bringing the lordship of jesus christ to bear in all areas of life whether you like it or not we hope you can appreciate that whether you're a christian or not because we want to be honest we don't want to hide the ball with you we want to tell you the perspective we're coming from and we hope it blesses you and helps you think through these things um a little bit more and that's really what we need to do as canadian citizens we've been dumbed down and we need to wake up and fight for these freedoms that are not given to us by the state, but are granted to us by our God. And that's why we exist at the Liberty Coalition. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Reach out to us. We'll respond. We'd love to hear from you. And also go over to our website if you would leave a donation over there. We would greatly appreciate it. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set you free, so stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Godspeed. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.libertycoalitioncanada.com.